0: So this morning, we are going to dive into the finale of Countercultural Mission, this amazing series. Why is it the finale? Because we have a brand new thing coming next week called Father's Day. Uh, We just introduced it here as Life Center. It's something new, something awesome. And so if you are a dad, if you are a father, if you are a dude, get ready. It's going to be an awesome time. But we are going to do a completely different message next week. This week is the finale of Countercultural Mission, and this has been an amazing series. Beginning with looking at the life of Moses and understanding our calling from God. That there are different moments and opportunities where God is going to show up in our lives. And it's not even what he calls us to do. It's not even what he's going to accomplish through us. If you know the life of Moses, you know the great things that God did in his life. But one of the most impactful things that we looked at was that when God showed up, Moses turned to see. And God noticed that he turned to see. And so I want to encourage someone today, where is God showing up in your life? Will you just turn and see? Then we walked into, as Pastor Jason was here sharing, about eternity. And we talked about a couple of things that that aren't true. But we asked the question, you know, why does a loving God send people to hell? Or if you've seen God, how could you possibly choose to do anything but walk with Him? And Pastor Jason walked us through a couple of these things, how it's a little bit more difficult than that. There is this element of free will. There is this element, even as we were saying today in our worship service, that God wants to be chosen. And he will honor that choice. Wow, what a God we serve. And last week, I was able to share in Orleans and Pastor Barry here uh, in Canada about David and how in order to actually lean in to face our giants, it's going to take more than courage. It's going to take a confidence in our Father. And so let's set the stage again this morning. Our countercultural mission, the sentence that we've been repeating over and over and over again that we'll do once again today, countercultural mission is each Christ follower serving as a faithful presence by trusting in God's power and living differently from cultural norms. This will be the last time that we read it, so I'll do it again. Countercultural mission, what each and every one of us is encouraged to go on, is each Christ follower serving as a faithful presence by trusting in God's power and living differently from cultural norms. Today we're going to look at the life of Jonah. Jonah. I love the life of Jonah. The story of Jonah is incredible to me, not only in context, but it's one of those classics that, you know, if you were a part of kids' church, when I was a part of kids' church, there was like those cool like felt boards. Anybody old enough to remember felt boards, right? And like whoever your your, your teacher was would like slap a whale on there and then they'd have Jonah on the other side and then because, you know, the power of magic, right? They would take the whale and slip Jonah. Jonah would go on the felt board and then the whale would go over Jonah because Jonah got even by the... beautiful, Wow. Right? At eight years old, you're like, how did that happen? That was amazing. Now it's all computer-based and tech-based. They'll so, like watch a video, but like, some beautiful, but that green felt. I don't know. I don't know. Do we bring it back? Probably not. Okay. And so we're going to talk about the story of Jonah today. And one of the amazing things in the story of Jonah, one of the questions that we need to really launch this thing was is, this, have you ever been in a situation where someone you know receives something that you don't believe they deserved. Woo! Right? Okay, you're there already. You're like, yes, I see the nods. I see the like, okay, we're going there. Uh, Have you ever been in that situation where somebody receives something and maybe you know their story leading up to that place or maybe your coworkers or maybe your siblings, right? And you know that they're receiving something that they don't deserve. When I first met Cassie, we uh, we met some of her family in Belleville. It was like this big moment. I'm like 19 years old, 20 years old, and I'm meeting her family. Now, Cassie's family in Belleville are large. They're all there, and so I walked into a household with mom and dad and three boys. And the youngest boy, they had just moved from Alberta, and the youngest boy was in grade eight. And uh, I could tell that he was a little upset. And I was like, okay, this is a great way to get in. Hey. What's going on? His name was Sammy he says, well, we just got here from Alberta, and I'm really questioning the Ontario school system. And I was like, okay, 13-year-old. Like, let's dig into it. Let's go. I was like, well, what do you mean? And he went and uh, he pulled out. They had just finished the discussion, and he wasn't done with it yet. So he went and he pulled out this map of Canada. Now, in his class, they had been assigned to label each and every province, every capital city, and then to color in the map. All right. I looked at his mark, and he had received 6 out of 10. Which was strange to me, because as I looked over his map, everything was labeled correctly. And so I said, hey, Tim, why did you get 6 out of 10? And he said, Ha. Ah. Right? Isn't that the question, Mitch? Welcome to the family. I said, why did you get 6 out of 10? He said, I got 6 out of 10 because I colored, you know, the oceans into the, into the map. And Alberta, you see how Alberta's red? Well, you see how it slips over into BC? Yeah, I lost marks for that. And he had labeled every single thing right, but he had gotten one of the lowest marks in his class because he can't color And he said, I don't understand. He goes, listen, there are people in my class that don't know that BC is on the far side of the map. And they got 8 out of 10 because they shaded properly. He's like, what in the world is going on? It was one of those stories where I was like, wow, like I can tell the hurt that this is affecting you, right? I can tell like, like you just need to get better. It's okay. It's okay, right? Like Saskatchewan is green. It's okay, right? It doesn't matter what the capital is. Just color in the lines. And I remember just even to this day, now this young man, he is is in his 20s, and still to this day I can ask him how his coloring is going, and he goes right back to that moment. Like, don't even get me started. And it was just this awesome moment where I was able to walk in, but I saw the the, the, the just perplexity on his face. Like, how in the world could the teacher—I labeled everything right. I did everything I was supposed to. Yes, I understand I didn't color, but I didn't know that 50% of the mark was based on coloring— What is going on here? The story that we're about to walk into with Jonah is very similar. See, Jonah has an understanding of what it is that's required to fall under the grace and mercy and love of God. But God is a little different. Amen? See, God is, even as we sung today, I I was just amazed by the, 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 the complexity of who it is that we're singing to. There's a beauty in Christianity with understanding that every day, every year, every hour, you can get to know God more. But there's also this beauty in remembering that you will never fully understand him. For some of us, it's like, that's not beautiful. That's really frustrating. I get you. I hear you. But the amazing thing about God is he is fully love. He is fully mercy. He is fully patience. He is fully forgiveness and hope. He is also fully righteous. He is also fully holy. And in that righteousness and holiness is justice and wrath and fullness. Amen? That is our God. He is both completely. But when things start to happen and things start to go on, it can be hard for us not to want to lean on maybe just one aspect of who God is, forgetting that He is all of it combined at all times. How many of us just love that God is not as dramatic and as emotional as we are? Come on. woo! Come on, we need that. See, God is fully and beautiful. He is complete in all of these things at all times. Jonah, enter into this story. We're going to read here in just one minute. uh, Jonah chapter 1, verse 2. If you have your Bibles, you can turn ahead there. Jonah enters into this story, and he is being challenged by God to love a people that he does not believe deserves it. See, Jonah would have been the first to initiate cancel culture on Nineveh. Do you know these people? Do you know what they've done? Let's just do away with them. Let them not be heard. Let them not be seen. Jonah is a prophet who comes onto the scene shortly after Elijah and Elisha. Two amazing prophets who really understood the, the need and, and desire to step into difficult moments and do things that maybe you and I would have had an issue with, but Elijah and Elisha stepped into them in the fullness and the power of God. Now Jonah is being called to the scene. The city that God is asking Jonah to go to, the city of Nineveh, was a massive, wealthy, Gentile city. The Assyrians were in charge at this time, and they were known to be ruthless, cruel, cruel known for bloodshed, and their cultural God was not the God of Israel. It was Ishtar, the goddess of love and war. And so here we find Jonah, this prophet who's been called by God, wrestling through the fact that God is not going to call him to Israel, but God is calling him specifically to one of the surrounding nations. A nation that doesn't even serve the God that Jonah knows. Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 to 2. Now the the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come up before me. Church, let's remember this morning that being countercultural on mission is about trusting in God more than we trust in ourselves. Verse 3, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Tarshish, isn't that the best? Right? Like, like if we ever get a chance to like create a new like city or something, can we go with Tarshish? Because that's like the funnest word to say. All right. So Jonah flees and goes to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down to it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence. Can you tell how much I'm enjoying that? All right. To go away from the presence of the Lord. Let's pray this morning. God, I pray that our hearts would be open this morning, that our ears would be ready to hear. Lord Jesus, it's easy to look at the story of Jonah and say, well, what in the world is he doing, but how often do we do the same? And so, God, I pray that you would challenge us to to not just look at the life of Jonah, but to examine our own lives, God. Where is it that you are calling us to respond? Lord Jesus, we've already said that many of us in this room want that deeper relationship with you. To not just know you, but to be known by you. That God, when we see you face to face, Lord Jesus, that we wouldn't present the things that we have done, the miracles that have been performed, or the prophecies that have been spoken, but instead, Lord Jesus, let us each provide to you a, a detailed list of the time spent with you. That we would hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. And so, God, I pray that over each and every one of us today, over myself and my family as well. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. A little later in the book, we'll see precisely the reason why Jonah ran from God. Uh, Jonah chapter 4, verse 2, it says, Jonah prayed to the Lord and said, o Lord, is Is not this what I said when I was yet in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and relenting from disaster. Jonah finds himself fleeing from Tarshish because he knows who God is, but he doesn't want that for the people that God has called him to. He knows that God is a God of graciousness. That God is merciful and slow to anger. And Jonah 4, he calls it out after meeting with the people. The amazing thing about the the story of, of Jonah is that Jonah finds himself challenged to go and speak to these people that want nothing to do with the God that he serves. And he runs the other way. But once God finally gets him to that city, and Jonah pronounces what it is that God has said, they all repent, isn't that wild? Like, Jonah shows up. He has no love in his heart for these people. He's obedient to what it is that God is doing. In all of the city, it says, here's Jonah, and they repent of their ways to a God that they don't even serve. Church, I want to encourage you that as we step into places where we may not feel comfortable, as we step into places where we may not even know why God is calling us there, if we step in that place that we step is holy ground. Come on. And God can do the miraculous. Can he radically transform your workplace? Yes, he can. Can he save and set free an entire high school in Canada? Yes, he can. Can he create unity within your community? Yes, He can. That is our God. And Jonah, he acknowledges that that's who God is, but he doesn't want that for the people of Nineveh. Our truest view of God always surfaces when God does what we don't want him to do. Our truest view of God always surfaces when God does what we don't want Him to do. Towards the people of Nineveh who were terrible, God is gracious, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. But this isn't what Jonah wanted God to be. Jonah wants God to be just, righteously angry, and decisive in delivering justice as Jonah decides and sees that justice should be delivered. From Jonah's earthly perspective, he's disappointed in God and who God is. Have you ever found yourself in that place, man? If God would just do what I think is right, he would be such a better version of God. How many times have we given God the time frame? How many times have we stepped in and said, God, I don't know why, if you would just do this thing, if you would just bring this miracle, God, where were you, right? I'm reminded of the story of Lazarus. Where Mary and Martha, they come to Jesus as he's delayed three days and actually approaching that place. And and they say, Jesus, if you were just here, we know that our brother would have been saved. We know that he would have been healed. And that story... Jesus brings that resurrection and and it was done for a reason. Church, I I want to encourage you. God knows what he's doing. God knows what he's doing. And in some of the places where you will walk with God, it will not make sense on this side of eternity, but God knows what he's doing. Come on. See, there's this understanding that God never changes, that God never shifts, that God never ceases to be who He actually is. And we need to be able to find comfort in that. We need to be able to dig in and remind ourselves that even though we may not understand it, God is still God. See, offended with God is an invitation to to a detoured faith. Hello? Being offended with God is an invitation to a detoured faith. See, some of us have been dwelling in places where God only purposed us to visit. Some of us have been dwelling in places in our relationship with God where God only purposed us to visit. Yes, that thing happened. Yes, that thing did occur. But God never wanted you to soak in that tragedy. God never wanted you to soak in that hurt. God actually wanted you to find freedom. He wanted you to find restoration. He wanted you to find new life in relationship with him. Not even necessarily that that circumstance would get any better. But that you would know who you truly are and who he truly is. Come on. Being offended with God is an invitation to a detour place. Let's not dwell in those places that we were only purposed to visit church. We are more than overcomers because our God is victorious. And through him, you will also see victory. Jonah was an Old Testament po- prophet living under the Old Testament law of Moses. As a singular spokesperson, as a prophet for God, it was one and done. Either you get it, If you get it wrong, you die. There's actually this beautiful sense of mercy that's actually playing out in Jonah's life that isn't often talked about. See, the opening of the book that we read reveals how poorly and how quickly Jonah did get it wrong. God called him to go. He said, nah, I'm good. Went the other way. According to Old Testament law, God was in full right under the, under the law that he had placed in action, under the, the, the covenant that he had with Jonah to just strike Jonah dead where he stood. As Jonah goes in the opposite direction, not only does he begin to endanger his own lives, but his recklessness endangers the lives of innocent people as we find him on the boat trapped in the storm. As Jonah was thrown into the water and the great fish appeared, there was actually a divine act of mercy from God to his son. How many to hear here are thankful that even when we mess up, God still so loves us? Come on. There's this beautiful understanding of, of, of the weight, right? We, we live, in, and we'll get into this in just a second, but we live on, on the other side and under a new covenant, the covenant that we find in Jesus. The covenant that Jonah was on was, was much harsher, and, and the rules were, were, were meant to be they were, just, they were definitive, and yet here God still shows mercy, just as he does for us. Not only does being offended with God uh, present an invitation for detoured faith, but detoured faith always establishes the other. The other. God, if you would just act the way that I think you should act. God, if you would just answer the prayers the way that I want them to answer. God, I don't know why that person is getting that thing. What about... See, a lot of times in our relationship with God, we need to be careful that as tragedy comes, as as grief hits, as challenge becomes a part of our lives, that we do not place ourselves on the throne and remove God from his rightful place. There's a powerful shaping story in our world that that, that is beginning to grow, that really just, it's so inward focused that we need to identify it today. In order to be countercultural church, we can't be like this. It goes like this, A, I discover a truth about something that I believe is most true. B, I find those and align with those who agree with me. C, fight those who don't agree. And then D, I repeat again and again and again. I've often said, especially when I was, when I was uh, working with the youth, that listen, you can Google just about anything and someone out there agrees with you. There is someone out there that no matter what, you can find your support. You can find your backup. You can find your documents, your whatever it is that you're looking for to say, see, I told you, 2 plus 2 is 5 if you calculate it like this. If you just imagine that the 1 is there, it is 5. I see it's me and this other group, and look, we have a whole Twitter team that's going at it. Come on, join us. But in this narrative, who is the most important? It's us. What I feel comfortable with, what I believe, the, the camp that I want to fall into instead of Jesus. As Life Center Canada, our goal is to allow Jesus to remain at the center of everything that we do. That he would be at the center of our healing. That he would be at the center of our unity. That he would be at the center of whatever it is that God calls us to do for Canada. It's not going to be what me or Pastor Sarah or Pastor Sam thinks that we should walk into. No, we want to follow collectively the call of the Holy Spirit. And even if not all of us agree, we keep Jesus at the center because there we can find our unity. There we can find our common cause. We don't want our narrative to be us so that we can then turn instead of serving Jesus to serve power or money or sexuality or important causes. It's not to diminish the importance of these conversations, but let's not raise them above where Jesus is said to stand. In our hearts, Is there another? In the book of Jonah, Nineveh becomes his other. This moment where he says, listen, God, I hear what it is that you're calling me to, but I choose instead to serve my own purpose and my own desires. Man, I love God so much. See, a lot of times, even when I was asking my boys the other night, I said, what do you know about the story of Jonah? And they recounted how God had called Jonah, and he, he sent this big whale, and I was like, what if it wasn't a whale? What if it was like a, like a Mosasaurus? They love dinosaurs, right? I'm like, come on, right? It just says big fish. And he, okay, all right, I'm the only one, all right. Listen, it might have been. I was like, and so they talked about how, you know, Jonah was in this storm, and he was thrown over, and, 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 and God had this big fish swallowing up, and after three days, he arrived at the town of Nineveh, and he delivered the word. I was like, yeah, exactly. I was like, and then what? And they were like, what? I was like, then what? Then what happened? How did the people of Nineveh respond? They're like, I don't know. I'm like, they believed. They're like, what? They believed? But weren't they terrible people, Dad? I'm like, They were. says they're the worst. And they believed. And they're like, oh my goodness. And I was like, and how do you think Jonah responded? And Miles goes, I'm sure he was happy. I was like, no. He was super bad. And Miles was like, what do you mean? I'm like, it literally says that he went up to this hill and got super dramatic. And he laid down in front of God and said, forget it. If you're going to save these people, just kill me. I love the Bible. Like, that's amazing, right? Because, like, even this 9-year-old this and, and, and my 11-year-old, like they, like, they know how the story should go. But Jonah saw God work out how he wanted to work out, and he said, that's still not what I want. What I want is for these people to hear this message and want nothing to do with it, because then that will verify and justify how I feel. Come on. So instead, God sets the people of Nineveh free. He, he, he's raised and exalted in their community. And Jonah goes up onto this hill, and, and he just begins to cry out to God, Why would you do this? Just kill me instead. And it says in Jonah, verse 4 to 6 to 11, it says this, Now the Lord God appointed a plant. My boys couldn't believe this was crazy. Now the Lord God appointed a plant and made it come up over Jonah, that it might be a shade over his head to save him from his discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of the plant. But when dawn came up the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching east wind. And the sun beat down on the head of uh, Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked that he might die and said, It is better for me to die and live. Look at this plant. Let that be me. But God said to Jonah, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? And Jonah said, Yes, I do. Do well. This is the best. Like, Do you do well to be angry for the plant? Jonah's like, Yes, I do. Be angry. Angry enough to die. And the Lord God said, You pity the plant. For which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 12,000 persons who do not know the right hand from the left, and also much cattle? I love that last part, right? God's like, Jonah, what about the cows, bro? Like, did they do anything to you? And Jonah, like, and Jonah being like, all right, God, I do love the cows. I do. I do love the cows. I love that. God just like subsist-. And what about the cattle, right? Church, what about that generation of, of, of young people that are growing up right now in a culture that isn't helping them point any way towards Jesus? What about the generation that isn't born yet? Should our heart not break for this generation? Maybe even for those who have offended us greatly. For the generations that will follow them that have done nothing to us. Come on. There's a reason that God points out the cattle. But what about the cattle who are being cared by these people? Come on, Jonah. If you don't care about the people themselves, can you care about the places that they touch? That as I step in, not only will I set them free, but I will set free the economy that they are invested in. I will set free the culture that they are shaping. I will set free the surrounding nations who, if they will fall down before me, then maybe they won't be known as they will know. Maybe there will be a new story that will be written. God reveals life to Jonah from his perspective. See, Jonah loves this plant. Falls in love with this plant, even in his moment of being like, nothing is right, everything is unfair. Come on, God. And this plant comes he's like, but I love you, plant. Jonah, even after seeing God work this miracle right before his eyes, is more concerned about how things are affecting him than what God is doing in the world. Church, let, uh, let that not be our story. In the same way that God labored over this plant, he has spent generations laboring over Nineveh. He made it grow. And at the same time as God is at the work in Israel, he was at work in Nineveh. Luke 6.36 says this, Be merciful, even as your father is merciful. Thank you, God. I pray that this would be our story. That we would be able to enter into these different situations. Into a culture that, quite frankly, probably doesn't like us that much. There's a lot of things in the Bible that are hard and fast. We are not called to value money over the presence of Jesus. Come on. We're not called to seek an eye for an eye. Hello? Working with young people, and I know most of us are just grown up young people. Anybody here ever hit that age where you finally stopped being a kid? You're like, oh yeah, that was the moment my life dramatically changed. No, people just started acting like as you grew gray hair, they're like, oh, you're so wise. You're like, yeah. Yeah. Inside, you're like, I still feel 16. I don't know what's happening. Oh my goodness. But I remember walking with students, and I encourage us today that there's this culture out there that says, listen, if someone has done you wrong, just cut them off. There's this culture out there that would say, listen, if someone has done you wrong, let's figure out how to get them back. But that's not the Bible. That's not the Word of God. The Word of God says that as others offend us, as others do us wrong, that we are to pray that God would enter in and reveal his love. And the best thing is, is that God asks us to enter in. As, as, uh, as we pray that God would enter in and reveal his love, he says, I'm going to send you. And we're like, <laughs> of course. But whatever it is that God is calling you into, he will be there to strengthen you through it. Hello? He will be there to strengthen you through it. Maybe you're here today and say, Pastor Mitch, I don't know if I can forgive. That's Okay. That's okay, because God can help you do the impossible. Come on. God can step in and reveal in fresh eyes, and, and God can do things in your life. Now, this is also, a, let, me, let me just preface this by saying that we are called to be an example for God, but we are not called to be a doormat. Amen? We are called to show God's love, and there will be times in people's lives where that moment of forgiveness, that moment of of stepping in, where you will actually just be the one to plant the seed, but maybe their attitude towards you, maybe their uh, understanding, it, it just doesn't shift, and God will actually call you out of that relationship, but he will send someone else. Be the testimony that God has called you to, but then also follow his directions. See, I often heard it said that we are called to love the sinner and hate the sin. The hard part with that is that it's really easy to add just two extra letters in there and say love the sinner but hate their sin. What happens is, is it becomes really hard to separate sometimes people from the choices that they make. I believe that we're called, just as God was calling Jonah, to love the sinner and just hate sin. That's the perspective that God has, amen? That we would look at sin and say, God, I'm so desperately in love with you that I will run from this thing because anything that calls me and causes me to to create separation between myself and you, I don't want any of it. And I'm gonna love people even even through uh, just the things that they say and the things that they do because my desire is to see everybody come to know you. Church, there's a world outside of these doors. And maybe you're here today and you don't know Jesus yourself. That that God's arms are wide open. They're wide open. Because he has invested much. He weaved them and knit them, each and every one of them. In their mother's womb. And he's walked with them day in and day out. And I believe that God is calling Life Center in Canada, in Orleans, and in Cornwall to go into the world and preach the gospel, to speak the name of Jesus, that people would be saved. But there are times in our lives, if we're perfectly honest, that we say, okay, God, I will do that, but only to the people I love. God says, what if it would speak greater to you, to the people that you love, if you actually walked into the midst of the people that you really don't love that much? had this amazing story three years ago of this student who had been praying for a friend for five years. Five years that they would come to know God. Just praying and asking God, God, would you reach out? God, would you reach out? They invited them out to church this one time and nothing really, it just, you know those moments where you're asking God, what's going on? I'm, thinking, I'm doing everything. I, what's happening? And their grade 12 year, we had this this powerful conversation where they said, hey, Pastor Mitchell, there's this this, this this bully in my life that honestly my entire high school career has just been a nightmare. I avoid all of the classes that this person is in. I've actually changed the entire trajectory of my schooling career to make sure that I'm not in the same vicinity as this individual. So you know that message that you spoke on, on, on loving our enemies, I think God is calling me to, To reach out to this individual, I said, wow. Two weeks later, introduced me to this gentleman who was much taller than myself, which isn't difficult, I know. Introduced me, and and I can kind of tell by by the look on her face that this is that person. So we welcome him in that night, and they end up sitting three rows back, and I remember just from the moment that worship started, something was happening. He just didn't strike me as the type of person that would enter into a room of complete strangers and spend the entire time bent over with tears running down his face. At the end of the service, we invited anyone to give their life back to God, and God just moved on this young man's life, and a week later, the best friend that she'd been praying for for five years, guess what? Ended up coming back to church and giving her life to God. And we had this conversation of, of what in the world was going on. And the best friend said, Listen, I, I, I just I had to come back and see again what would happen in his life. When the world went on on Friday night, that his life would be changed because the best friend wasn't too fond of this person either. But God had transformed him. And that had actually been to the answer to the prayer that this young lady had been praying for for five years. Come on. Come on. See, there's a testimony that comes through when God is able to reach down and reach into the lives of those who you say, God, they don't deserve it, where he reminds us, but did did you? Did you deserve myself? Did Jonah deserve to be swallowed by the whale, to be given that second chance? Through biblical law, he didn't. But church, every single one of us today, because of Jesus Christ who died on the cross, we have been saved and set free for the honor and the opportunity to speak his name to a world that doesn't know him yet. And so I encourage you, speak the name of Jesus to the ones that you love. Continue to pray for those prodigals, for those family members that don't know him yet. But also, tack on the name of a couple people that you don't like that much. Maybe today start praying for that neighbor that you've had great relationship with, but you've never actually asked God for their salvation, that he would put a burden on your heart, not just for those that you love, but for each and every person that God has called you to. This is the story of Jonah. This is the story of Jesus. That God would look down on a world that didn't deserve it, and he said, I'll go. I'll go myself pay the price that they can't pay. So that even though every single one of them who are born into sin, who are labeled enemies to the Father, that every single one of them would have an opportunity to know me, to be forgiven, to set their life on a new path. Next week we're going into Father's Day and the week after... We're going to have this amazing service where Pastor Jason and Pastor Lori are going to begin to to download some vision. But I just want to take a moment today to encourage you that I believe that there are going to be new faces that are going to call this place home. I believe that we are going to see revival take place in this room. But in order for revival to take place, in order for those people that we love to come into connection and contact with God, in order for those people that maybe we don't love that much, but God does, in order for them to come into connection and contact with God, revival has to start with us. That no matter what it is that God asks us to do, no matter where it is that he asks us to go, no matter what it is that he asks us to give up, that we would say, God, I love you more than anything. And I will go wherever you call. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this church. God, I thank you for the maturity in these seats. God, I pray right now for those who have known you for a long time. God, may they continue to set the example. May this just be a refresh of the call, Lord God, for some of those in our lives that we've been praying for for years. God, we place them before you again. But God, today, give us new names. God, give us new names, Lord Jesus. God, that we wouldn't just pray for our political leaders, but God, that we would pray for the nation of Canada. God, across all of this nation, God, no matter what it is that they stand for, no matter what it is that they believe, God, we lift them up to you. God, may this be a nation under God. Lord, we lift up our family and our neighbors. God, we lift up our siblings and our loved ones. God, in those areas where we need supernatural strength in order to even be able to engage these conversations, Lord, would you be the source? God, I pray just as David, God, that we wouldn't step forward in front of these these giants just with courage, but God, that we would step in with the confidence that only you can provide. God, I believe that we are going to see a fresh wind blow across Canada. I believe God that we are going to see full baptismal tanks, God. I believe God that we are going to see prodigals God who are raised in the church. Holy Spirit, you're calling them even now. God, I believe that we are going to see neighborhoods set free in Jesus name. God, I believe that we are going to see our enemies, Lord Jesus praying at the same altars that we pray at God acknowledging the same God that we acknowledge because under you we are unified. So God be the God of peace. Be the God of mercy. Be the God of righteousness and holiness. Lord, be who you are. And may we be known by you. We ask that today in Jesus' name. Amen.